want to speak to you about uh, is finishing up the series of a life on purpose. And when you think about a life on purpose, um, there's things that we go through in life that take us from point A to point B. Um, whether you're passionate about something and you pursue that, um, whether you've been through some pain that helps you find your purpose, and then where you go to when you have pain and how you reach to God to find your purpose in life. So I want to go through kind of the, the journey and the steps of how that looks like. And what better way, because I, I didn't go to college for, to be a pastor. Um, I have like the school of hard knocks learning of being a Christian from going from the beginning to end. So I want to kind of go through that with you today and just point out a few things um, about what has happened in my life, and hopefully it can just resonate in your life. Maybe you might hear something that you've gone through or a habit that you've, you've had that um, triggers you to do certain things. But I want to read through what the Word has today to say about that. And as we get started, I write my notes down, so I'm old school. I don't have the iPad up here like the new cats that literally have all this new stuff, so everything is handwritten. But um, when we think about life and we think about um, the journey, I'm, I'm always brought back to my dog, Brutus, and um, he has like the good life. And when you think of their life, um, have you seen the movie, um, the pet movie, the cartoon one that just came out? I mean, The Secret Life of Pets, those kids, they have like it made. You know, they, you know, when I think of Brutus, I think of what he does every day, and he wakes up in a king-sized bed, he stretches out, like, what a great life. You walk him out, we feed him, he eats. You know, I, I think he lives for his purpose, um, for what we call in our house, yummy yummies. <laughs> you can say, Brutus, come. You can say, get over here. And he, he can't hear you, but when you say yummy yummies, he'll run to you. <laughs> uh, you think about him going outside and stretching out. He's got no agenda, no time. It's basically his purpose is to relax and to, to love us and be there for us, and, you know, uh, when I think about our purpose, then that starts to get a little bit more hectic and crazy. When we think about what we have to do, taking consideration our goals that we have, when we think about our work goals, and as I go through this, just process this, what do we want to do in work? What about our family? What do we want to do with our family? And what are, our, what are our goals for you know, this journey that we go through of life? And um, how do we live that out with our family? And then what about their goals for church? Like, am I going to be part of the ministry? Do I have a calling, a purpose that I want to share with others to give, give back to, to God? You know, it goes from that also purpose to also what about money? And how many of us stress about money sometimes? I know I do. When we think of our money goals, we think about what are we going to save? Like, how am I going to get my kid through college? Or how, am I, how is the next payment for the car or the rent going to come? Or I've heard stories after stories of people that are on a journey of saving and a purpose of trying to make a living, and we think of that. We also think about how are we going to get it? What are we going to do every single day to move us forward to, to reach the purpose of what we think financial stability may be. You know, I, I've thought a lot about stuff like this, and it brings me to an um, emotional feeling. 
when we think about our goals and our emotions, they run a lot of what we do. And when we think of our emotions in our day-to-day, it's like, how am I going to make it through today sometimes? You know, I got the world crumbling down on me. You know, I'm 15 minutes late to work. I have so many things going through my mind. You know, how are, what am I gonna, when am I gonna get time to eat? You know, I'm, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. If you don't know who I am, I am from the south side of Chicago, and I grew up there with a family and a legacy of singers, musicians, a legacy of pastors. I have probably about six or seven uncles that are pastors. And uh, they preach all over and evangelize. And I, I also play the drums, as you see. We jump from there, jump to here, jump to there, jump everywhere. And I also lead worship and sing. That is what I do in the church. But one of the other things that I do, and I had somebody ask me this morning, like, you know, you travel a lot. What do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm a hairstylist. They're like, no way. I'm like, do I not look like one? You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, when going through this message today, I'll talk a little bit about that um, and my journey through that. But you know, I am a hairstylist. I stand on stages in front of sometimes 200, 300, 400 people, and I cut hair. Um, I cut my fingers sometimes, too, because those scissors are very sharp. But I speak to people every single day sitting in my chair. And not only do I run a a small studio and I do hair every day, I try to change people and try to make them feel better about themselves. And I also travel and teach and educate. And I'm also, you know, a son and a brother and... Um, that is who I am. And Pastor sat down with me. I remember that lunch vividly. We were at um, Longhorn, and we were just snacking on there. And I was praying for, for this, this time to come up because what happened with me is I was chasing life and trying to pursue happiness, and I, I knew in my heart that I was meant to call to be something greater, but I, I just wasn't there yet, you know? Sometimes we feel kind of in there. And it reminds me of that movie, The Pursuit of Happiness, with Will Smith. You guys know that movie? This dude is running for two hours and 45 minutes. I was stressed. I had anxiety for him. I had worry for him. I was walking in Will Smith's shoes. I was, like, starving at the end of the movie. And at the end of the movie, he waits for that last three minutes that he calls a famous quote, this is the point of life I call happiness. And we look for that, and we chase for that. And I want you to think about this and switch gears is... Is it really about the pursuit of happiness, or is, is it the process that we chase, chase happiness? You know, is that where the miscommunication uh, happens in our brain and in our lives? Is like, it's not the, the destination, it's the journey that we do take. And one of the things that happens in our lives, I find, in mine, is that I chase these moments that I think are going to get me happy, but what it really is, it's that pursuit of happiness. And it's the things that, the way that we change our thinking and putting God in our lives that is going to help move us forward into that change. Um, I want to bring up a slide real quick of a a pie chart. I like charts because I'm bad with numbers and it just shows me everything and this is, um, this just shows me everything. But I want you to kind of look at this chart and think about your life this pie chart shows an average um, adult with a child under 18 that um, is between the ages of 24 and 55, 50, 25 and 54. And this just shows in the average workday of where they spend their time. Now, this adds up to about 20 hours, so give or take, this is an average. But 
This is showing what about 8.8 hours of our life we're spending at work. We're doing work-related things. And a lot of us know we're workaholics, so we're thinking about work and doing work when we're not at work, and, and that's what we do. <coughs> we do 7.8 hours of sleeping. Now, I probably get like three or four, so you can just throw more work into that ca category. And look at the, the little stuff on the left. We have household activities an hour, eating, drinking an hour, Mine sometimes like 15 minutes beating. Caring for others, 1.2, and our children is also, for that ch one child in that household, is what we put in that little tiny space. Now, that is mind-blowing to me, and this study was done just last year. That's a lot of time that we're doing while we work. We spend more time working and chasing those purposes than we do even communicating and spending time with our family. I want to go up and pull a scripture up. It's 1 John 2, 16 and 17. And it says, For everything in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour, and if you heard, we'll skip that part. I got added extra. But if we think about where we're going forward, that the world has other things to offer than what God says has, that he has planned for us. And it talks about God's will. Um, with, with what this chart shows and what we're chasing, our will does have to be in God's hands. And one of the things that um, happened with me when I started doing hair, um, I was working, I did five years of work with no vacation. Uh, it was just work, 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 hustle, 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 kind of like Will Smith in that movie. And, and I was just chasing those moments. Um, there came a time whenever, not a lot of people know this, and I'm going to go ahead and open my heart, so don't judge me, um, but I started taking other things in order to become happy. I started you know, meeting people that weren't the right people. I started partying a lot and going out. At the age of 21, I got pulled over. And I went to jail for driving and wrecking my car. And it was the first wake-up call that God showed me that, son, you're not doing the right thing. Uh, this is not the will that I, I've called for you. That happened, and I just pushed myself back into work and buried in work. And just like the verse was talking about, lusting after the things of this world, not the things that God called for me. In that process, I, I started excelling in work, though. In spite of what I was doing, I was, because of the hard work that I was putting in to, to my craft, I was becoming successful, and I was making every year more money than I made the year before. When it came to the work goals, I was hitting everything that I wanted to. But when it came down to what God was calling me to do, I was chasing things in the wrong way that I should have. So um, there came a point where that happened again when I was 27. And for the second time, I was sitting there, and I can remember my family sitting in the back of a, of a courtroom crying and saying, like, how did you do this again? And, I mean, I thought that I was better than that. I thought what I was doing was good enough, but I kept getting in trouble. And, again, the things of this world and the way I was trying to handle my stress and anxiety was not the way that God was calling, calling it to be. You know, um, I want to pull up the next slide and the next scripture you know, I could sit here and speak about so many things, but this really speaks to me, and I want to go ahead and read it for you. And 
And I hope that this can bless you and reach you because it's going to come to my first practice that I've changed in my life and what started to become a turning point into where I was going. But let's go ahead and read that. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What will you eat or drink? About your body, what you will wear. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds in there. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers in the fields? Do they not labor or spin? The next part of that goes into, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass in the fields, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will not he much more clothe you? You of little faith. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need. But seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. You know, this Bible verse goes back into, I wish Will Smith read this before he started chasing a lot of things, because it would have made his life a lot easier in that movie. You know, then it would have not, it wouldn't have been a great movie of suspense, but... What this is telling us, too, in our pursuit and trying to live a life of purpose and trying to do that journey, this covers everything. It really does. It covers about, you know, what we talk about, what are we going to eat? How many of y'all fight about where you're going to eat every week? It's like an hour decision, like, are we going to Chili's or are we going to Outback or are we going to Bonefish, you know? Or, you know what, I'm going to save money and I'm just going to get McDonald's today, but I'm going to get the chicken fingers because that's not as fattening as the double cheeseburger. No, it's like... What we worry about what we eat, and this goes right to it. You don't have to worry about where you eat or where that's going to come from for your next meal because he feeds the birds of the sky, and they don't have to sow or reap. They don't have to do anything. He feeds them. It also talks about what are they going to wear. I am always late for work in the mornings. I have to get up 30 minutes early because earlier than because I have to look the part, and I have to look nice when I go, you know, hair and people are coming in spending money. I mean, I don't want to look like a bum. So I want to look really good. And, you know, for such a long time, I was worried about spending money and, and having the bank account get bigger so I can wear the nicest clothes. And I was more chasing and lusting after the things of the world like that and having the nicest things. But it wasn't, it, God already took care of it. As the verse says, not only does he talk about food and clothing, but he also talks about everything else in this world. This, this verse speaks to your stress in your life right now. Is anybody stressed about what they're going to eat or what are they going to wear? This, this speaks exactly to the spirit of fear in your life, that your heavenly father, if he did not already do that for the flowers, if he did not do that for the birds already, he's already got your back in the situation. He's already has a plan. He already has a plan for you. And I love the scripture, and it speaks so much to me you know, um, in, in, this, in this scripture, it just, it just touches me. Um, Hebrews 11.1, 1, if we can pull that up, it talks about faith. In the verse 30 of that verse, it says, Oh, ye of, you of little faith. Sometimes we lack faith. And the first part of this journey that I changed my will over to God was giving him my trust and having faith that he was going to catch me if I, fell, if I fell. It says, now faith is the confidence in what we have hoped for and the assurance about what we do not see. 
And faith will get you really far in life. If you have faith and you can vision it and you can see it and you can put God's will into it, you surely will come out on the other end because he cares for you. This was something that I had to learn. And this is going to take me into my second practice that I started to change. Not only did I have faith and start to trust God like the, like the Bible speaks about, but I started to imitate God. You know, when I started, when I was little, we used to have dunk contests outside. I know Pastor probably did this because he thought he was a basketball player when he was younger. Um, and we used to, you know, you know, we look at a hoop and it's like 12, 13 feet high. We can't dunk on that. So grab the rake and we drop the, drop the hoop and we'd run and we'd dunk. And we, we thought we were Michael Jordan when we were little. You know, I imitated how he did that famous, you know, dunk from the three-point line or how he stuck his tongue out with attitude when he did it. Or a 360 dunk by Sean Kemp when he was playing too. No, we imitate things and we want to be like things. We emulate things. And when you are around certain things, you become like those things. You know, I used to stand in front of people that would cut hair. And I used to not know where my hands went. And now when I stand there, I'm in perfect form. And I watched these people that did what the greats and what I do. And I started to become like that. You know, I started to do so many new things. I, didn't, I knew nothing about coloring hair. And how many women in here do hair color on their hair? You know, that's a slippery slope. You know, it's, it's expensive. And it's also, if you don't get it right, you're in big trouble. <clears throat> and if you don't keep it blonder, your husband's going to be upset. <laughs> that's a little joke. Like, women know that their husbands always want it blonder. But... I practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced, and I ended up winning third place in a color competition for the United States. I won a bronze medal for it, and a guy who was cutting his own hair. I started cutting when I was 12 years old. I'm 32, so it's been almost 20 years of cutting my hair. And I started imitating things that I saw and started being like that. You know, the one problem in my life is I started watching that the greats were going out every night after. They were going to the bar. It, it was fun in the beginning, and it was cool, and it, was, it made me more artistic, if that's the way that you want to say it. But at the end of it, I wasn't really happy. I used to go home, and I, I would play a song by a guy named Phil Stacy that I knew, and it would say, teach me your ways, O Lord. I long to follow you. I want to bless your name in everything I do. So search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there would be any wicked way in me and leave me in the way everlasting. It would be three in the morning and I would come back from out, being out all night partying and I would come to a sobering moment when I played that song and I would cry in my room and I knew I was not doing what I needed to be doing. I knew that I had to start to pick up my life and start imitating more of who he was. You know, I, about two years ago, two and a half years ago, I was at the most successful point I was in my career. I was working at a salon of about 52 people I was in charge of all the education there. I was one number one barber in Jacksonville, and I wasn't even a barber. I won number one, yeah. I had a lot of barbers mad at me. I won the number one male hairstylist in The Void magazine that year. I was winning competitions. I was traveling for three companies, getting on planes, going everywhere, and going back to work. But it was like 70, 80 hours of work, just constantly. And uh, I just came to a point where I finally, I quit work. I left 
my job I was at because the only way I can handle my stress and anxiety, I wasn't chasing after God, I was chasing after the drink. And that was, that was not taking away the stress and the fear and anxiety at that point. It didn't matter how much I drank, it would not take it away. It brought me to a culmination, I feel like, of where God was leading me and he had a purpose for my life and where he said, finally, son, do you surrender? So after trusting in him, I surrendered, finally, and I let go of everything. I left that job. I remember calling the salon, and they said, are you coming in today? I said, no. This is my last day, and I'm not coming back, and I left. I didn't know if I was ever going to do hair again. About six weeks went by, and I spent time with my mom, my dad, and I went fishing. I actually had a, like t- days off, which I had no clue what that felt like. And I started to really recharge the batteries. And I remember going to pastor. And every time I had an issue, every time I got in trouble, I would call him. And I'd be like, what do I do? And he's like, Lee, no, I don't care what you've done. Put God first. And you know, I just pray that you get closer to him. I was like, well, maybe if I just don't go out during the week. And I just go out on the weekends, you know, that's, that maybe will work. He goes, you know what? I'm just praying for you, bud. I love you. And... Um, I just pray that you start to put God first and put him in there. And after bumping my head three or four times and getting in trouble, it finally clicked and I knew, you know, I trusted in God. I started putting him first and then I started imitating him. And I remember it was right around New Year's and I was like, can I just come to the church and sweep? You know, can I just come to the church and be there? I just want to be in the presence of the Lord. I was so sick and tired of being in the worldly presence. I just wanted to be in the house of the Lord and with my family and my legacy and where I come, came from, you know, God calls you and he marks you. Every single one of you in this room is here for a reason, and God marked you. Whether you start it in the church and you're just here on a Sunday morning because it's part of that checklist that I went, look at that pie chart, you know? We are only here for that little small time, and the rest of the time we're out there in the fields working and laboring, you know? I'm just brought to the, the, to the thought of thinking, uh, like, how, how, did I, how do I be in his presence more? And imitating God was something that I, I started to do. I started to watch Pastor. I think um, Marilyn may have been here. Somebody was doing taxes, and I was helping her lick envelopes and putting everybody's tax forms in there. And I was like, can I sweep? Can I mop? Can I vacuum? And, you know, Pastor's so on top of everything. He's like, oh, we got that covered. We got that covered. Why don't you just show up here and hang out with me? And through that, I started to imitate him. You know, I started getting connected in small groups. Is anybody in here in DNA groups or small groups? Such a ministry to your life. You know, I started imitating the people that were doing that instead of the people that were out at the bars in the world and the ones who were getting on planes hungover and unhappy and not filled. I started to play the piano again. You know, there was almost two years I couldn't, didn't come to the church because I didn't have a driver's license. I couldn't come. And, you know, I longed and finally was thirsty enough that I just wanted to be more like God. I started playing the piano again. And as you guys see, the ones that are here regularly, I'm from here into the drums. I didn't play the drums for almost three years. You know, think about what, what is in your life right now that, that that's your, your, what your own pursuit is taking you away from what God has for you. You know, it's, 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 it's astonishing when you think about it. I started to fellowship again. Instead of isolating and hiding in my room and crying about why I didn't have any friends, you know, I had to put myself out there. So for all you introverts in here today, I really do challenge you to step out in faith and start imitating God and be, be with believers 
and go to the small groups. You know, they're life-changing because if you don't have those, you know, and if I would have gotten in a car accident whenever I was doing the stupid things I was doing, I wouldn't have those. And you take those for granted when you don't have them. You know, I'm, I started being more like God and, and started changing and transforming my life. And I hope that, I hope that resonates in you today. I'm going to uh, read Romans 12, too, please. And um, this Bible verse means a lot to me. It says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but, by transforming, but, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, God has a plan for you, like I said. Everybody's sitting in here, and I don't know what that is, but you know what that is. And I hope that you're constantly chasing after what God wants and trusting in him and imitating him. This is going to take me into my, you know, kind of around here to the last part is, is that's, that's really hard for a lot of us, and it's, it's total surrender. You know, when you totally surrender everything to the Lord, that, that's, a, that's a tough thing. And the Bible knows that we're not going to surrender everything. You know, we're not perfect. We all fall short and we all mess up. So when the Bible talks about, you know, pursuing him and surrendering to him, God knows that you're not going to be perfect all the time. So the thing about being a sinner, this qualifies you, no matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been, this qualifies you that he died on the cross for you. It comes back to full surrender and trusting in that his will is perfect and his ways are perfect for you. You know, I learned a lot through the processes that I, that, I, that I, the things that I went through and processing new ways to change things. And when we think about the life of Jesus, we, who was Jesus and what did he do? You know, Jesus could, he healed people, right? He preached out to people. He took, you know, loaves of bread and fishes and fed thousands. But his main purpose for him when he came here was to father, follow his, the Father's will. And when we imitate him and we start to surrender everything to him, we start to become more like him, and we're doing what the will of God is, and things get a lot better, trust me. Because if you try to do it on your own, you're always going to reach a point where you finally get tired, and it's just exactly like I, the things that I've gone through so far in my life. And when you surrender to him, you get rid of that worry, that stress, all the fear, all the anxiety. You give that to him, and you don't have to worry anymore. You know, you can, I remember sitting in the back, and you can say, I think the last time that I was finally sick and tired of doing things the way that I did, I was sitting in the back, and, you know, I'm not going to lie to you, I was still hungover from the day before. And we all know how that, how that is, you know, but I was still trying to come to church, try to do the right thing, and I was fighting with God in my brain. And I was like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this, I'm sick of this, but I'm too dirty and I'm too, like, messed up. So you can't do anything with me today, but at least you know that I'm messed up. And it was an audible word of God just saying, no, I came up for you messed up today, so leave that here. I remember crying, and that was the day I surrendered everything that Sunday. Um, the enemy tried to fight me for almost like three days after that. Um, I tried to fight, you know, the urge to drink, and I kept drinking more and more and more until I finally 
I finally was done. I was finally over it, and I surrendered everything to him. And I remember going to the hospital just to get my vitals checked and make sure everything was okay and seeing my family sitting there and finally just celebrating with me that I was surrendering everything. It's been two years and two months, um, two and a half months since I surrendered everything. And I'll tell you what, when you start surrendering things like that to God, then he starts to take everything that you did and, and, and when you give him his will and he restores everything. There was a point um, in that mess that I was in that I was doing so great and I was making so much money, but I had nothing to show for it. I remember a point I was going to the gas station and taking napkins because I couldn't afford. Out of all of the things I was doing, I was spending all my check on all the wrong things. And I was stealing, not stealing, but taking napkins because I, I couldn't even, my paycheck was spent by the time I was done with it by going out and having too much fun that I had to take napkins and ketchup and whatever was free at the, at the store to, to take care of myself. You know, that's a sad way to live, and it was hard. But because I went through that, it, it helped show me, like, more strength, and it made me stronger, and it showed me that God, you know, when you put him first and you put your will um, in his hands, that he's going to change it all. Um, I want to go ahead and bring up the band right now because I want to switch over... Um, to um, kind of another mode right now, but um, my main reason here today is to not only share what God is doing and what he's, what he's planned, but I want any, anybody in this room, my main goal is for salvation to be there for you. You know, the Bible speaks about, you know, and, you know the famous quote, verse in John three sixteen that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, um, that is really big. I mean, I, if we put our will into what he wants for us and we, we stop chasing the things of this world, like we spoke about, you know, God will start to do a healing in you. You know, just like when I sat in the back and I, I, I finally surrendered everything that I possibly could, like the hurt, was too much to bear. The pain was too much. I didn't want to go anymore. I was ready to quit everything. You know, um, I even thought there was one point that um, I looked at myself in the mirror and I didn't shower regularly and my beard was getting long. And um, I looked in the mirror and I, I started to shave my, my face because I thought if I'm gonna drink myself to death, I don't want to look bad in a casket for my family. Um, you know, I, didn't, I couldn't even recognize who I was anymore in the mirror. And I'm not saying this to try to make anybody, like, sad or anything like that, because, you know, this is a day that the Lord has made, and we're all blessed to be where you're at right now. You know, it, it can only go up from here if you put God first. Now, I hope that you can trust and have faith in him. Hope that you could turn your life over and surrender and start to imitate who God really is and how he was. You know, in the Bible, it talked about that he considered it joy to go to the cross for us. That was showing that his main purpose was to make his heavenly father happy and that it didn't matter. Like, he could have been famous. He had all, anything you can want. This dude was walking on water. He was healing people. He could have had, like, celebrity cash. You know, he could have had the boats and the cars, but his one main thing was to be like his, do what his father asked him to do. 
And it's because he loved you enough for whatever mess you're sitting in today, whatever, however bad you thought you screwed it up. You know, it's, it's, it's nothing to him. He forgives that. You know, um, I want to challenge you guys today. You know, whether you say, you know, I, I'm too imperfect. I am an alcoholic. I'm a smoker. I'm an addict. I'm full of pride. I've made too many people mad and too many people pissed off that I can't start fresh. Well, you know what? Today is the day. Today is the day for you to leave that at the cross. Today is the day that you join with people who love you and come into this family that God has created. And he says, like Pastor says, welcome home. You know, I'm thankful for what God has done in my life and for a church that loves and that doesn't judge you for what you're going through and actually ministers to you. You know, after Sunday today, we're out of here again, and we're back to if you made the decision or not, that life's going to come at you. I pray that for that, how that pie chart showed it, when you're going to be working, that you take the love that's only a small percentage there and put that into your work. Whether your purpose is, you know, Marcus being the mechanic, whether it's mine being a hair cutter or a colorist, whether it's yours at your job and it's answering claims, or whether it's you, know, you being a janitor. Whatever you have, living a life of purpose is living a life for what God has called you to be and to be an example for who he is. So I pray that you take that time that you had that has very little, little enjoyment or how in the movie, like this is the place I call happiness. Don't do that. Be it every single day, wherever you're at. You can be that. You can pray that. You can, you know, I was sitting in my room, and I was looking at my schedule, guys. If you notice, like, I'm out of town all the time, and I feel so horrible because I miss you guys so much when I'm gone, and I would do anything to be in your shoes and on church on Sunday morning when I have to travel. I mean, I went to California almost eight times last in the last eight months. I've been twice already this, this month and multiple trips. You know, and I, 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 I hunger now, and I want to be more like God. I want to do what makes God happy and imitate how he loves the Father, and I want to make him happy and proud. You know, I pray that whatever your purpose is, that you are ministering to people no matter what it is that you do. And I, I, want, I just want you to, to, to know that life is going to come at, at you after this today, and I pray that you give it to the Lord. So, you know, we have a church that loves you here. You know, Fathom Church, you know, it was there for me whenever I needed the most, but join together with your brothers and sisters here today and know that you are loved, and it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, please, I'm, I'm asking you to start today and go ahead and surrender. It doesn't matter what you're stuck in, whether it's your addictions, whether it's anything, you know, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So with that, um, I want you I'm to switch gears real quick. Um, we're going to go ahead and, and come to the table. And um, what the table represents to me is so much of what the Father has done for us and the main reason why we have forgiveness and salvation. You know, after we come to the table, we're going to have prayer at each one of these crosses. And pastor is going to get off vacation for a few minutes. But he's going to be there for you, just like he was there for me. And, you know, 
I, I've run to the cross now when I have issues. I'm still imperfect. If you see me mess up, you know, you're going to see me mess up. I'm not perfect. And call me out on it and be like, come on, Lee, you can do better than that. But we're here for you, and that's what the church is here for. Sundays are for worship and song, worship and message, and worship and giving. You know, I, would, I give everything that I have just to be in God's will now. But we'll be at each one of these crosses, and whatever it is in your life that's happening, whether you feel like you're not perfect or you're unclean, come to the cross. Drop it today and leave it today, and just you know, start today. And then 1 Peter 2.24, it says, He himself bore our sin in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. There's healing today. I want everybody to stand tonight, today, this morning. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to say a prayer, and we're going to come to the table after that. And we have bread and we have juice, and the bread represents Christ's body that was that was beaten and that was bruised for us and that was pierced. And like the verse said, by his wounds you have been healed today. I pray that you let that sink in and believe it. And then we're going to have the juice that you dip the bread in representing his blood that was spilled for you. And he considered his joy to die for you on the cross. And with every head and every eye closed, and bow down. I'm going to pray, and if you don't, haven't had salvation, I pray that um, we can all pray together and, and have salvation together today because we can die to our, our flesh daily, and when we die to our flesh, we are believing that Jesus, because he was crucified, that we are righteous through his works, not our own. So, dear Lord, I'm so grateful for you today, Father. I thank you for your blessings, your mercy, and your grace in our lives, Lord. I'm so thankful for each one of these people standing in here right now. I'm so thankful that you marked every single person in here, Lord, for blessings and favor and to be more like you, Father. And when you're touched, when we're touched by you, Father, we're never the same. And I just pray right now that if there's anybody in this room they can hear my voice right now, Lord. That they can come to an acceptance of who you are and accept that you are the Son of God and to believe in what the table has today, Lord, that your body was broken for us and your blood was shed for our atonement of sin. And that us confessing every day, Lord Jesus, to you and dying to our old man daily, that you're going to be just to forgive us for our sins. Thank you for all you're doing in Fathom, Lord. We're so thankful for our family and friends, Lord. And we pray from this point that we go forward and that we start imitating you more. I pray all of these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen.